before we get into tonight's show. Let's take a look at some of the stories making news headlines today in South Africa have clinched the fourth and final test against England at Centurion by 280 runs. It was a sublime bowling performance by the youngster Kahisa Rabada earlier on today. He bagged 14 wickets in the match. Fantastic, fantastic return. And uh, we'll chat to Natalie Dumanis a little bit later on about that. Bad news though, Dale Staines been ruled out of the upcoming ODI series as he continues to recover from that shoulder injury. Virat Kohli steered India to a 37-run win against Australia thanks to an unbeaten 90 of 55 balls. They take a 1-0 lead in the three-match series. Staying with news out of Australia, Aussie coach Darren Lehman will miss his team's ODI tour to New Zealand in February. He has suffered a deep vein thrombosis. On to tennis now, and uh, the first Grand Slam of the year heads towards its conclusion. Melbourne Park, Chris Bowers will join us a little bit later on, but the bad news is today that South Africa's Raven Klassen uh, is out of the tournament. He lost in the quarterfinals of the men's double. Chris caught up with him uh, following that loss today. Chris Bowers with Raven Klassen. Raven has uh, lost his go. That was a pretty tough one. Yeah, um... I think uh, when you put yourself in a position like this in a big tournament to uh, to really go far, it's, uh, the disappointment is going to linger for a while. And um, we gave ourselves a very good look at that match. And uh, to go for that long and come that close is, is, is going to hurt for a minute. I mean, it was a really tight match all the way through. I know you were a set-up, but every game seemed to be very fiercely contested. Yeah, I mean, there was just one break of serve in the entire match, and even that was a, a close game, you know. Um, we had a couple of looks... Um, in that second set to get it back but uh, they, they played some good tennis and if you look at the stats for the match we haven't really debriefed yet we've just kind of went through our recovery stuff but uh, we'll have a look at that and uh, on paper it looks like it was close and then that's exactly how it felt out there on the court What sort of debriefing do you do after a match like that? Well I mean um, the reality is that uh, you want to try to be to be positive about the, the, the things you did well and um, why you made it to the quarterfinals but um, it's it sort of ideas on what we can do next time because this is a team that we're going to see throughout the season and uh, we want to be sure that the next time we play them we don't make uh, similar mistakes you know but uh, our job as tennis players is to, to constantly try and improve and uh, it's going to take a while before my mind gets over this one but uh, that doesn't mean I can't take an opportunity to get better. I mean at this stage of the year there's a lot of new partnerships Suarez and Murray are new you and Rajiv are only about six months together surely there's a certain amount of just finding each other out and, and therefore the real meat of the year is still a few months off yeah that's for sure I mean I, I, I think that uh, when you start out like, like Bruno and, and uh, Jamie are very new so we don't really have a good handle on what they do yet and, and as time goes by we'll, we'll get an idea of how they play and what they really do well and uh, Raj and I are coming into our own too um, I think these these tough ma- matches that we've won and lost this week is, uh, is going to prepare us for, for some big matches uh, moving forward and where, what's the tournament schedule for the next few weeks? Well, the first schedule is uh, to go home to Cape Town for a little bit, you know, get get my mind away from tennis and uh, get the body back to where it needs to be to uh, to continue. Uh, and then we'll start in the U.S., in Delray Beach, and uh, we'll stay in, in Mexico, Acapulco, and then North America for Indian Wells, Miami. Good luck. Thank you very much. 
Raven Glassman catching up with Chris Bowers following their loss today. On to some football news. I can tell you that Golden Arrows have signed Platinum Stars winger Matlatsi Makadubela on loan until the end of the season. African football news. The African Nations Championship. Tunisia beat Niger by five goals to nil. The other match. Guinea beat Nigeria 1-0. The English football Tottenham Hotspur defender Jan Vertogen will uh, miss eight weeks of action due to knee ligament injuries. There's also live action to look forward to tonight. The first of the Capital One Cup semi-finals take place at Anfield. Liverpool hosting Stoke City kickoff at 9.45. Liverpool take a 1-0 advantage into the second leg of the semi. And finally in rugby news, Duo JP Peterson and Andres Becker have been named in the Japanese Top League's team of the season. And England winger Chris Ashton will appeal his 10-week ban for eye-gouging that effectively rules him out of England's Six Nations campaign. Coming up next, we'll chat to Natalie Germanis. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader. And uh, it was a pretty clinical performance from uh, the Proteas today, particularly on day five of the fourth and final test against England to secure the victory. They needed seven wickets uh, at the start of play. And boy, did uh, Kajisa Rabada deliver. Natalie Germanis joins us now. Natalie, uh, it was a, a good end to a pretty average uh, series for the Proteas. Well, it's hard to say that it's a pretty average series because of the injuries that they've had to some of the players. It's always difficult when you're not playing with your best 11 that you would normally select if everybody was fit. Um, They'll be disappointed with quite a lot of the aspects. There's no doubt about it, but there's a lot of amazing moments that have come out of the series. But... You know, this, this, this test did show that the talent is still there, the depth is still there, and England also showed that they do have weaknesses as well. There's no doubt that they are a team that is on the rise, but they do have weaknesses themselves. From South Africa's point of view, they'll be very happy with their way they went about things today in particular, and, and through most of the test match, because winning the toss and choosing to bat first was the right decision to start with. A lot of people said, no, maybe you should bowl first, but they did that, and they made good on it, and that's the most important part of it, is that they made good on it and they made a big score up front and put England under pressure right from the word go. I think you know, a lot of people are talking about, oh, it's a transition team. There's no doubt about it because of the retirements and every team is going to go through that. But it's not to put any pressure on them in the future. Hopefully this is a turning point from the test team's point of view, but it's shown that there's a lot of depth there and there is a lot of talent in the side. Yeah, Natalie, I, I couldn't agree more, and I think this test match in particular answered more questions than, than it asked, and, and I think one of the, the, the big positives to come out of not just this test match, but the series, was Kajisa Rabada. I, I don't think we can talk highly enough about him. I mean, his, his figures from, from this match were the, the second best in a test match by a South African, and, and he just looks the business. He's cool, calm, and collected, and let's not forget how young he is. Yeah, he's just 20 years of age. He turns 21 on the 25th of May, so he's uh, really a youngster in terms of uh, cricket in general, never mind test cricket. Um, but he does show a lot of calmness about him. He fits into the team really well, and obviously his captain really backed him, and that's, I think, very important from South Africa's point of view is that the captain backs you as a bowler. He put up the performances that he needs to. He, he makes sure that he stuck to his strengths as well, which is always important for any cricketer. And there's, there's no doubt a lot of the headlines from the series will be about Kahiso Rabada. There's a lot of youngsters that have come through, like Timber Bavuma, who was absolutely brilliant and consistent through the series. But uh, there's no doubt that the headlines will be about Kahiso Rabada. He's got a very bright future ahead of him. And he seems to really have his head on straight. And I think that's very important as well. He's got a good family support, which helps. Um, and, and there's no doubt that the Proteus support him as well. Yeah, Natalie, you, you mentioned some of the positives. Uh, Timber Bavuma is obviously one of them as well. I mean, he, he got his, uh, his maiden 100 in the series 
series. He, he had a pretty good innings yesterday. He probably could have got another 100 if the, the rain didn't come out and, and South Africa declared when they did. It is what it is. But, but he's looking good and he looks like he's, I don't want to say cemented his, his spot in the middle order, but, but with him at six and Quinton de Kock at seven, that, that, that sort of middle to lower order is looking a, a lot firmer than it was beginning part of the, the series. Yeah, I think they missed the aggressive batsman in, in Quinton de Kock. It's great to have somebody who can come in and be aggressive, play his natural game, and, and, and can possibly change a game around, like a Ben Stokes would do. He's, he's very aggressive. He's got no fear. He's just 24 years of age, and he just plays his game. Even today, when England were looking to, to save the test, he was playing shots. It was a little bizarre, his tactics, and he might need to learn to adapt to the game a little bit better, but he's got that aggression, and Quinton de Kock has that as well. He can come out, just play his natural game, and, and just go on from there. Um, there's no doubt that Timba Bavuma is showing how good he is in terms of his technique. He seems to certainly have a good head on himself as well. And I think he's got a pretty simple game. He drives well and he pulls well. So if they bowl short to him, he can score with it or he can leave it alone if he chooses to do that. But he's really good on the drive as well. So I think from his point of view, he's got a really bright future hopefully as well. As you said, nobody ever just cements their place in the side, but he's, he's gone a long way to showing what he can do. Yeah, we, we've touched on some of the positives, obviously the, the negatives, and it's difficult to say, is it someone's fault, is it not, is it workload? The injuries, particularly from a, a bowling attack performance, Dale Stain missed most of this series again. I mean, news today that he's going to be out of the, the one day is with that shoulder as well. That, that's not good news for South Africa, but when you've got the likes of, of Kahisa Rabada coming through, it... it Almost, it, it, it makes life difficult for the selectors when you do have a fit Dale Stain and a, and a fit Vernon Philander. It's a case of who do you leave out, but that's a good place to be. No, it is a good place to be. You want to have depth in the side. You want to have a bit of a headache when it comes to a selection point of view. Unfortunately, it's, it's just one of those things when the Philander and Stain got injured at the same time. Um, it meant that somebody like Amorne Morkel had to stand up and lead the side. He had actually, whenever they're not there, he generally does open the bowling. But South Africa trying a few different things through the series, opening with the, the likes of a Carl Abbott or a Chris Morris, and just trying something a little bit different. Um, but for South Africa, they have depth in bowling. It is there. The, the issue for me is more a subconscious thing where a lot of people, whether it be fans, media, players, whatever, they've always relied on a Dale Stain and relied on a Vernon Philander and not actually notice the fact that there's a lot of depth in the side. It is there if um, they get the opportunity to be able to use it. South Africa were just probably lucky in a way that they went to a stage where Stain and Philander could clean up an innings and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, but there is a lot of depth in the side. There is a lot of talent there as well and they do have the reserve to be able to turn to that. But there needs to be an understanding that when a stain or a philander gets injured, there is going to be a bit of a transition and it's not going to be easy from the protest perspective. As much as you've got to give a lot of credit to England, they've played incredibly well. They've got a very good side. They're not quite settled 100%, maybe not quite there to be number one, but they do have a very good side. You've got to give credit to them as well. But also, it is important to notice that the South African 11 that was on the field is probably not the number one 11, but the depth is there in the side. Yeah, it's interesting. Next test series, it's a way away, obviously, with the T20 World Cup coming. I think it's, it's New Zealand towards the end of the year. When exactly does that take place, Natalie? 
Well, in August, New Zealand will come here for a couple of test matches. Um, that's interesting because they started that last year with ODIs when New Zealand came here and they tried something with it. They felt it really worked, especially up in the high felt and in Durban. So they're going to have a couple of test matches here in South Africa. It will be interesting, the selection, when it comes to that because there'll be no first-class cricket before that. Some of the players would have played county cricket, but there wouldn't have been the first-class competition before that. So selection for that might be interesting. But the big test is going to be when South Africa go to Australia. Australia later on. Australia comes here first for ODIs, and then Ireland are actually here for ODIs as well. But then South Africa will move on to Australia, and that is going to be a massive test for the test side. Yeah, that it is. But before then, one-day series against England, that's coming up. When does the, the first one take place and where? First one is actually on the 3rd in Bloemfontein. That's where it starts off. And we move on to Port Elizabeth, come back to Centurion in Johannesburg, and finally finish off in Cape Town. There's two T20s against England. And then Australia here for three T20s. This is all in preparation for the World T20, which takes place in India in the middle of March. Can't wait. Natalie Jamanis, as always, thank you very much. We'll have live action from those uh, one-day international English series uh, when the first one kicks off on the 2nd of Feb. Natalie, thank you very much for your coverage. And this and uh, the other test match, as much appreciated. We really did enjoy it. Thank you. Thanks very much, Fred. Mancosa, Africa's leading international business school, accredited, affordable, and accessible management education programs. Mancosa offers postgraduate diplomas in business management and MBA. Register today at our Graduate School of Business. Visit mancosa.co.za or SMS Mancosa and your email address to 34745. Think MBA. Think global. Think Mancosa. Management education. Reimagined. Ah, they're taking the decision upstairs, John. This is going to be a close call. The home side with everything to play for here. Have they done enough? One decision can change it all. The right call can transform opportunity into measurable results. Make the right call for your business. Partner with the CASA today. You imagine a chartered accountant? We see a business decision maker equipped to inspire future business results. Find a responsible business leader at findacasa.co.za. Just when you think you missed that one conversation in that one show? No, you didn't. Catch it once again on overnight 12 midnight to 4 a.m. Here with me, Nayo Pondwa. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Well, it was another interesting day's action at the Australian Open today as we head towards the business end. A couple of the men's quarterfinals have concluded and things really hotting up in the ladies' draw as well. Well, uh, a bit of bad news for South Africa on the doubles front too, but joining us now from Melbourne, Chris Bowers joins us. Chris, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap once again. Let's, let's start with the men's action. Uh, there was some, some great tennis today. Yeah, I mean, in particular, Roger Federer looks in good form. The, the only problem is that he's looked in very good form in the first five rounds of most of the majors in recent years, and then he hits someone like Murray or Djokovic uh, towards the latter end, and it all ends for him. And, of course, he'll play Djokovic on Thursday. He looked very good in the second and third sets against Thomas Burdish. The first was quite a tight one, but Federer took it on the tie break, and that sort of freed him up, really, and he then cruised the victory. Djokovic, well, we were keen to see how he would play after his five-setter against Gilles Simon on Sunday. And, and really, we're none the wiser because Kane Shikori did not play a very good match today. He did, never got into it. And um, Djokovic won without ever having to play that well in uh, three straight sets. 
Yeah, and, and that sets up tomorrow's quarterfinals in the men's draw really nicely too because there, there's two very evenly sort of uh, set matches there. Andy Murray taking on David Ferrer and Milos Raonic up against Gael Morphy. I mean, in theory, the bottom half of the draw ought to be Andy Murray's. You know, um, there's no Vavinka, there's no Nadal. But yes, Ferrer, I suspect Murray will beat him. There's a bit of a question mark about Murray's mental state because, you know, his... His wife's about to give birth to their first child. His father-in-law, Nigel Sears, collapsed in the stands on Saturday. Uh, he, he's okay. He's flown home um, today, so the chances are that he's fine. It probably wasn't a, a heart attack that he had, because otherwise they wouldn't allow him to fly home this early. But Murray's clearly been troubled by that, and I just wonder about his mental state. But if his mental state is fine, he should be David Ferrer. Um, as for the other quarterfinal, Milos Raonic against Gael Monfils, but we've been waiting for Monfils to do something for years. He did get to the French Open semi-finals nearly eight years ago, but maybe now's the time when he'll finally deliver. As for Raonic, well, Raonic was so good at beating Dabrinka on Monday that, um, you know, if this is his breakthrough tournament, well, he might uh, shock everybody and get to the finals from the bottom half of the draw. But for me, it looks like it's Murray's quarter, um, to re- uh, Murray's semi uh, semi. Murray's half of the draw to reach the final from. Yeah, looking at the at the ladies' draw, I, I see Serena Williams down, Maria Sharapova again. Uh, that's Maria Sharapova's downfall. It's Serena Williams. She just can't seem to beat her, can she? No, I mean, I'm, I was thinking of Einstein's definition of insanity, which is doing <laughs> the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, I mean, uh, to a certain extent, I'm not sure what Maria Sharapova can do. You know, she doesn't have the volleys or the drop shots to do something uh, that different. Um, I just think her game is well suited to Serena Williams. I mean, she beat Serena twice in 2004, once in the Wimbledon final and then at the end of the year in the uh, Women's End of Year Championships. But she hasn't beaten her since November 2004. This was Serena's 18th successive win over Sharapova. And, uh, you know, we forget that so much of tennis depends on match-ups, how someone's game suits another's. And although, in theory, Williams ought to be able to blast the somewhat lightweight Agnieszka Lebanska off the court in Thursday's semi-finals, where Banska has so much all-court craft and guile that it's quite possible that she'll be able to slice and dice her way under Serena's skin and create a real contest. It should be interesting. Send me that. Let's talk the other quarters in, in the ladies' draw that are taking place tomorrow. Yes, I mean, uh, the bottom half of the draw, as I said, the bottom half of the men's draw, it looks to be Andy Murray's for the taking. The bottom half of the women's draw is certainly Victoria Azarenka's for the taking. She's the, um, by far the best qualified player left in the bottom half. I see her beating Angelique Kerber tomorrow, the left-handed German, although Kerber is ranked higher than Azarenka. But Azarenka is a uh, twice former Australian Open champion, former world number one, and, you know, I think will be too good for Kerber. And then you've got two highly unlikely quarterfinalists, Johanna Konta, the Australian-born Brit of Hungarian parentage. That's today's world for you, a player who could have three nationalities, um, if she, you know, have the choice of three nationalities, against Zhang Shui from China, a player who, uh, not so long ago, was on the point of giving up because she was having no results. And when she won her first-round match here against Simona Halep, the number two seed, she burst into tears on court because she was so overwhelmed that she could win a Grand Slam main draw match. So, um, two really interesting stories, although I don't think the winner of the Conta-Zhang match has any chance against Azarenka, assuming Azarenka beats Kerber.
And Azarenka's won in Australia before, so she'll be she'll be eyeing that title, I've got no doubt. And then, Chris, sad news for Raven Klassen. They crashed out in the quarterfinals. Good run, but they had a chance to win it. They were a set-up. Yeah, they were set up, but they took the only break of serve in the whole match. That's galling when you sort of, you know, you break your opponents, your opponents don't break you, but you lose it on two tie breaks. Um, it was a very tight match all the way through, and I think there's a lot of positives for class and Ram to take. It's a funny time of year in doubles, perhaps more so than in singles, because you always get a reshuffling of pairs, certainly in an Olympic year when certain people decide that they're going to play with their, you know, a fellow country person um, so that they can qualify for the Olympics and get some experience, hope that they hopefully come away with a medal in Rio. So you've got a very much a sort of a reshuffling of the pack and they came up against Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez both of them did very well last year with different partners and yeah um, they lost this one but it was a very tight one I think it's still been a good start for the year they won three rounds including beating the Bryans and uh, that's a very good springboard for the start of this year for uh, Carson and Ram and in a way every a pair, just as every singles player, looks to target a top eight finish because then you qualify for the ATP World Tour finals in London in November. So, you know, in terms of starting in a way that allows them to build a challenge for a top eight place, this is a reasonable start for class and around. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Bowles, thank you very much uh, for that update from Melbourne. We'll have more tomorrow morning on AM Live and we'll chat again tomorrow uh, on SAFM Sport Trap as well. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Have a good evening. Thank you very much indeed. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Don't forget, you can be in touch. SMS us 34701. Those SMSs are charged at one rand. Well, it was an interesting weekend of Sunfoil Series action this past weekend. And you would have been forgiven uh, if you thought that the Dolphins were actually playing in Port of Struam with the amount of rain that was around. The Dolphins seem to be attracting rain this season, but they weren't. It was a top-of-the-table clash between the Lions and the Titans. It ended up in a draw, a frustrating draw, because it was set up really, really nicely. And we joined now uh, by Bazaar. Highfelt Lions opening bat, Rossi Funderdis and Rossi, welcome onto uh, the show. Thanks for joining us this evening. It was uh, it was very nicely set up as a player. It, it must be frustrating to be involved in, in in a game like that. Hi, Brad. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yes, it was. I think top of the table clash, especially. You know, we were in a decent position going into day three. So uh, to see the rainfall uh, all day on Sunday was uh, was quite a blow for us. But it's but it's all right. Rusty, interesting thing, if you look at, look at the scores, particularly the, the Lions scorecard, and I mean, if you just look at that on paper, you think to yourself, what was going on? I mean, it, it looked really tough to bat. Alvaro Peterson, was he batting on a different strip to the rest of you guys? <laughs> it, was, it, 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 it might have seemed that way, yes, but um, it, was, it was tricky batting conditions, as you, as you could see um, on the amount of wickets that fell on day two and three. Um, but Alvira, we all know he's class, and... Uh, he just showed it again on, on, on the weekend. Um, the, basically, the other batters, the plan was for the other batters to stay with him and to and to bat with him and, and build a few partnerships. And uh, luckily, we, we, we got to the score of the Titans. And, uh, but yeah, Obira Peterson was absolutely brilliant. I mean, that scorecard's crazy. I mean, 295 uh, all out in the end with, with Peterson contributing 203 of those, which is, which is phenomenal. A one-run lead, it was, it was very nicely set up. And like you say, top of the table, playing in, in Poch, Titans have been playing good cricket, but uh, you, you guys have been playing your, your, your own very good cricket as well. You, you would have fancied your chances to pick up maximum points this past weekend. Yeah, I think uh, I'm thinking I'm correct. I think it was some sort of record by Alvaro. Um, 
contributing uh, uh, the most percentage of a of an innings. But you know, we were we were we played we've been playing well. You know, we've we've got a fairly young side. We've lost a few guys to to the test team, which is for us as a team, which is great. Um, you know, to see our to see our teammates playing for South Africa. Um, and and the the good thing for us is the young guys have come in and everybody's contributed. Um, and we've, we've sort of been able to, to keep that form up, you know, which is always a positive thing. Let's talk about some of those players that you, you've lost to the Proteas. There's one that, that springs to mind. Obviously, you, you've played a lot of cricket with him, Stephen Cook. I saw a, a, a tweet, I can't remember who it was from, from within your change room this past weekend where you guys were watching, uh, and that moment when, when he got that 100 on debut. I mean, for, for you guys who, who know what a class player Stephen Cook is, that must have made you really proud to see your, your, your captain performing at the, at the national at the national level. Yeah, no, at the Lions, we've, we've got a... Uh, our team's spirit is uh, at a, in a, on a really good place at the moment. So, so to see um, our captain performing for the Pratias like he performs for us week in week out was, uh, was a really proud moment for for all of us. Obviously, knowing the the work he's put in over the last uh, few years um, and his whole career. So, no, we were we were all very glad and happy for him. Well, see, looking at at Stevens. Selection to to the Proteas. I mean, obviously, you guys have seen him scoring runs. I mean, he's he's scored prolifically the, the last few seasons in in domestic cricket. And seeing seeing that sort of form rewarded must must breathe a lot of belief into into yourself and and the rest of the squad. Seeing someone like that who, who's worked really hard and put in the hours and, and net sessions, getting his his due rewards, it, it, it must make you guys really believe that you can do it too. No, definitely. It's um, it's a, it's an inspirational story. I think in Stephen's case. I think he's 33 years old at the moment, and he's only made his debut this week. Um, and for him to come out um, and perform like that after the pressure that's been been on on the selectors to to choose him in that side to to perform like that really shows uh, the mental resolve he has. And you know, for for us as younger guys in the team, that that is very inspirational. As you're looking at at the rest of the the, the Sunfoil series, obviously the the way things are set up domestically from a, a cricketing calendar perspective, it's a bit stop start. Obviously, with the momentum one day cup in between, and then it's it's uh, four day cricket and T20 sort of stuff. Do do you find it, it difficult to make the adjustment between the different forms of cricket? Um, it, it is difficult at, at times, but but um, in, in terms of batting, it's it's more of a of a mental shift. Um, Whereas in terms of bowling, it's, it's different skills where, you know, so, um, it, it's not ideal at stages, but, but at the end of the day, that's, that's how it is. And, um, if you want to perform well, you've got to, you've got to be able to make that sort of transition quite smoothly. For you personally, uh, not, not the uh, not, not the best of performances with with a bat in in this clash against the Titans. I mean, you scored 13 at the top top of the order where where everyone was struggling to score runs, like we said, except uh, Alvira. Are, are you quite comfortable with with your form at the moment? I mean, what are the, what are some of the things you you're working on right now? Yeah, it's been a bit of a stop start season for myself, also. You know, um, um, like yeah, obviously the the, the past match hasn't gone too well, but you know, uh, it's batting. Especially as a, a continuous process, and uh, you're always trying to, to improve and try to find those little one uh, percenters here and there to improve your game and look better back at footage and what did you do right and what did you do wrong and sort of reflect on that. So you know you can always improve and and obviously I, I set quite high standards for myself. So so in terms of the lines, if I can perform for the lines and you know win games. That's at the, at the moment. That's what I'm trying to do and looking to do. 
Rossi, just looking at uh, some of the other big stories sort of inside African cricket, and, and obviously there's big connections to the Lions as well. The announcement yesterday that gulambodi has been banned for, for 20 years for his involvement in uh, allegedly, I say allegedly, he's come clean that, that uh, try to affect the outcome of, of Ramslam T20 matches. I mean, your, your opinion personally on, on guys who get involved in this in this sort of stuff? Yeah, I know it is. For us, it was very sad to hear when the story initially broke about Gulam. Um, you know, those type of things, we, we can't tolerate that in any form of cricket, you know. Um, I think it's things, things like that do damage the sport and the, and the perception of the public out there. And I must say, I think, I think that the punishment is fair, um, because, because things like that, that can't be tolerated, you know. I know there's a connection to the line, but, um, you know, he's just a past player, and I'm, I'm not sure that any of the of the Lions guys are really involved or or anything. So, so yeah, it is it is pretty disappointing. You talk about a, a fair a fair sort of sanction. Do you think criminal charges should be brought at the end of the day? You guys make a living out of the sport, and if somebody's trying to take that away from people who are legitimately trying to do it, surely there should be be harsher sentences. Uh, you know, I'm not in a in a position to to really comment on that. You know, it's, for me, he, he came clean, so so cricket South Africa must must decide what what must happen. Um, you know, as I said, from the player's point of view, having played with him in the past and knowing him, it was just uh, disappointing that that he he actually um, was involved in things like that. Rusty Funderdison, thank you very much for your time this evening here on SAFM Sports Wrap. Best of luck for the rest of the season, and uh, we look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks a lot, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap. Thank you for listening to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Just so you know as well, we did put in a request uh, to chat to somebody from Cricket South Africa today, but they declined our request uh, due to uh, legal uh, or the legal team advising them not to do any interviews at this time. So rather disappointed, would like to have chatted about the Gulambodi ban and what else is going on when it comes to match fixing within cricket. But uh, that's the state of play at the moment. We'll keep trying and get someone on uh, to tell us exactly what is going on. We're back again tomorrow on SAFM Sports Wrap. We'll have more sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. Uh, from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty, uh, the talk shop is up next. Right now, though, it is 7 o'clock, and Greg Close is your news.